This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi, this is Daryl Close. And when I'm not up at 2 a.m. feeding a newborn, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Today, we're all about retiring early. And to help us is a guy who went from the rat race to retired by the age of, get this, 37. Today, we welcome to the show Chris Reinick. Also, we'll serve up some juicy headlines about adventures in real estate, cover your letters, throw out the Haven Lifeline, and just to show you how committed we are, top it all off with some of my world-famous trivia. And now, two guys who missed retiring at age 37, one of them a long, long time ago, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Welcome to Wednesday. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across this card table from me, we present the one and only other guy, as we call him OG. Happy, happy hump day, OG. It is Wednesday. Yes. Feels like a Thursday, but really Wednesday. Isn't that the sign of a bad week? When you're like, oh, thank God. Oh, no. Thank God it's Thursday. Oh, back the truck up. And speaking of backing the truck up, OG... How about if you back the truck up on both diversification and passive income? That is, that might be the worst segue ever. But how, what about investment that combines both? That's real estate. Have you heard of Roofstock? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and best of all, own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. And whether it's your first time or your seasoned pro, all of Roofstock's certified properties are inspected in person. So you know they're in good condition and have reliable tenants in place. And you can start earning monthly rental income right away. Roofstock even connects you with vetted local property managers so you can separate investing from operations. And best of all, Roofstock certified properties, they're backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Roofstock, property investing made simple. Visit so you help out the show. So they know we sent you. Head to thestackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. Why did I say that like mom? Tell them mom sent you. Sent you. It's not sent you. It's sent you. 
stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock to learn more about rental home investing and browse exclusive listings today. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. And this show is also presented by Magnify Money. You know, when you walk into that bank and you say, hey, what's the best stuff you got? You're missing out on the bajillion things. And I know bajillion isn't a number, OG, but it's about that many the bajillion things that are out there that could be better, whether you're trying to pay off your debt to the man, so you're going with a 0% interest card, a consolidation loan, or you're looking for get-out-of-debt tips, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money is the place to go when it's time to actually compare, ditch, switch, and save. All right, big show today, man. How about this? Retire at 37. Well, that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, Chris Reining upstairs talking to mom. We got him waiting in the wings, but first we got a couple kind of unbelievable headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Let's start with the shocker. This one comes to us from Mashable in the tech category. Equifax may have been, wait for it, wait for it, hacked again. And it's not even funny anymore. This is, was it funny the first time? This is written by Stan Schroeder. Equifax, a credit rating reporting agency that exposed personal data of nearly 150 million people, appears to have been hacked again. The probable hack was noticed by security researcher Randy Abrams and first covered by Ars Technica. While visiting Equifax's website, Abrams noticed that some pages redirect to a site offering a fake malware-bearing flash update. That's fun. Just update your flash that has this malware in it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's Please the, do. And protect your credit at the same time. <laughs> I protect, can, your, protect your credit by giving it to us. I can both give my computer a virus and protect my credit just by going to Equifax.com. This dovetails onto some news that I saw last week, too, that one of the major uh, virus protection software companies wasn't really virus protection software. <laughs> Well, you see like, that some uh, of these yeah. kind of foreign agent intelligence collection type thing or something like that. That's it, freaky, man. Somebody's presented that to me before. You know, you're at a party and somebody says, what if your virus software really is like they want to make sure there's plenty of viruses so they have a job to do. So if if they take a portion of the money they pay you to pay hackers to make some more viruses that they can help clean up so they can say, hey, look at we're keeping your computer clean. I mean, that that is... That sounds very, very... Uh, That's that tale that wagged the dog movie or whatever. Wag the dog, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. If, if you're running one of those companies, you have to think about it for a second going, I wonder if... Man, it's been a sl- <laughs> I wonder if we should market, send some of our marketing budget to an R&D site so they can create viruses that we can fix. Right. It sounds like a movie. Yeah. Yeah, make the virus start to spread, and then bam, we stopped like it. Like the movie Check Outbreak. Check it out. We stopped it. Yeah, Dustin I, Hoffman. I, I create this super drug, the super virus that we can fix. I didn't see that movie. That's just not my type of. I thought it was pretty good. It seemed like a downer. Bunch of people dying. Who needs that? Well, you know, it happens. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Just a super virus. Just another super virus day. It's another day in the super virus. Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you protect yourself from this th- stuff? That was my exact question. You know, we tried to talk about what's the lesson here. I think it's a whole hilarious, uh, hilarious because it's so sad headline. But how do you protect yourself? I mean, what do you do? You, you fr- so you freeze your credit, right? Yeah. You go to Equifax and you go, oh, look, I need to click this thing. And, and now I've got a virus on my computer. 
you just got to be careful. I, I don't know. Pay attention to what you click on, maybe. We're doing some work on our homeowner's insurance, adding some stuff. You know, we, we've said this before, check your homeowner's insurance maybe every couple of years. And uh, so we were talking to our agent who's here locally in Texarkana. And uh, that day we get a, we, we use credit monitoring and actually got a, got an alert that we had a new identity because they had our address, but Texarkana is actually two towns. I mean, this town's not big enough. Uh, this town's too big for one state, way too big for one state. So it's got to be in two, mm-hmm. but it had us down. It, it had our street address, Cheryl's name and said Texarkana, Arkansas. And it turns Them's out fighting words that that's for, don't say I'm from Arkansas. <laughs> Do not put me on whoa, that Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, right. So I, I, uh, uh, we look into it and all it was, was that the insurance, the insurance company, the insurance agent apparently guessed that we lived in Arkansas and had everything else right. And it created this bam pop up alert for us. I thought the alert was pretty cool. We've had a couple times when like my credit appeared on the dark web uh, nice. and it just sounds cool. I want to go on the dark web. Don't you? I, well, I need a flashlight because I heard, heard it's not very bright there, but we, 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 uh, nose around See yeah. what's on the dark web. Yes. We called up, we used the FICO product. And so I called up FICO and asked what we do about it. And they gave us a bunch of, you know, a bunch of tips and things that we, that we need to do and stuff we need to watch out for. I thought that was Bring a flashlight is probably one of them. Yeah, yeah. Bring a flashlight and say hello to everybody else there in the dark web. It's kind of like that Aryan Stranger Things. Do you see Stranger Things? Mm-mm. Oh, well, that's lost. <laughs> Good uh, comparison. And I don't know if credit monitoring is for everybody, but I, I have not frozen my credit because we've got some stuff going on where we need to keep it open. But uh, certainly, they either freeze it, have some credit monitoring. You can get free credit monitoring through Equifax. <laughs> We're full of jokes today, aren't we? Yep. Our There's second their second headline comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this is by uh, Lay Camping Carter. Millennials' new weapon in bidding wars, get this, a parent's home equity. Parents refinance their own homes to help their children compete as all-cash buyers in hot house markets. When the purchase closes, the children pay their parents back. Do kids actually pay parents back? Does that happen? I'm not to that point yet in my in my adult life. Call it the mortgage merry-go-round, this piece says. Parents refinance their home to fund the full cost of their son or daughter's desired home. This allows the child to compete in an area where bidding wars are common. Here's here's a question, man. Well, I was going to say, this, this is a more question for you, right? Because you get your kids are grown, they're out of the nest, off they go to their full-time jobs. I'm not doing that. Not going to help them out. Not going to say, hey, you know what? Mom and dad got some equity here. You know, we'll hook you up. No, no, I don't think so. And why not? Is it just a responsibility thing or is it a, hey, if you can't afford it on your own, then go fly a kite? Well, when I look at where my kids are right now, number one, I don't know that they're going to stay in the same cities that they're in. So with the way that people change jobs now and uh, work for a lot of different companies during their career, and even if you work for one company, you move a lot. I mean, my daughter, she lives in Kansas City. She works in Tucson. She told me uh, that next week she's probably working in Tampa. And then uh, there's a good chance that over Thanksgiving, she's going to be in Ireland for a month. So yeah. so what do you think the chances are she's going to continue to live in Kansas City with all this stuff? <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I mean, she's living everywhere. So why would you why would you buy a house when you're a road warrior like that? 
And then my son just out of college, you know, do you know that this job's going to be the job for you? Do you know what's going to happen later on? So for their specific circumstance, I wouldn't get attached to buying a house because over the short run, if you're only going to stay there a few years, you know, mortgage people a lot of time like to talk about how renting is throwing money away. I think buying a house, if you're only going to be there short term, oh, yeah, totally, totally throw away. money away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All those closing costs and selling commissions and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, pretty crazy. I don't know that I would do this either. You know, just more on the principle of the thing, right? Not so much of the, obviously there's the issue of whether or not you're going to be there. And that's, that's that too. But we've had so many, I never had anybody hand me a check for $300,000 and go here, go buy your next house with cash. Just, just you're good for it. Right. Love you, son. We've, (laughs) sure. We've had so many pieces lately, though, also about hot real estate markets that, you know, whenever everybody around me is talking about gold, that's when I want nothing to do with it. When my neighbor is telling me in 1999 that buying tech stocks is the way to go and that there's new rules, right? I had a podcaster tell me that, you know, recently when they did a thing about 401k loans and I wrote him a note saying, hey, we're going to we're going to talk about this a little bit on our show. And he said, well, you're playing by the old rules. There's new rules. <laughs> there's no new rules. <laughs> there's a, this, it's so funny when somebody tells me, yeah, there's new rules. No, no, no. That's the old way of thinking about 401k The old loans. way of thinking about it. Right. The new it's, way uh, is getting debt up to your eyeballs. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, that's kind of been all the all the time. I Yeah. I, I think the principle of the thing I wouldn't do. And then there's a big risk, right? I mean, like they talk about in the article a little bit later that what happens if Junior can't get the mortgage? Right. And now you've mortgaged your and, house to the hilt. Yeah, you're up. It's nice that your kids got a paid for house, you know, all cash. All he's got to do is just pay the mortgage taxes and the insurance. You know, that's cool. But now you owe you know, twice as much on yours. It kind of goes back to the old saying, right? Just don't lend money to family. Give them money if they need help, but don't lend it to them because it just they don't pay you back. The money. Thanksgiving feels kind of weird. You're sitting there and they want to talk about the cool new trip they took and you're going, that's weird. Cool new trip, huh? Don't you owe me five grand? <laughs> How much was that trip to Disney? About five grand, huh? Hmm. We had that on our social media. Who's that guy? Maury Povich, who does the... Uh, um, yeah, baby tests. Yeah, the things. Uh, she- you are not the father. Yeah, I told you. I told you. Well, the financial equivalent Shannon had on our social media, she had Maury Povich with a piece of paper in his hand and the meme said something like, you told me you were going to pay me back on Friday. Your new Xbox says otherwise. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave that. Chris Reining has a website that's craftily named chrisreining.com. Imagine that. Chris is a guy. I wonder how long it took him to think that one up. Chris is a guy. The thing I love about Chris that you're about to hear, OG, is Chris is the everyman, which is the inspirational part of this piece is that this could be you. This Chris has had the same thoughts you've had. He's had the same ideas that you've had about money. He's also made a lot of the same mistakes. And yet... At 37 years old, he was able to kiss it all goodbye and do what he wanted to do. So let's say hello to uh, Chris Reining coming down to the basement.
And walking down the stairs to the basement, have a seat. Chris Reining is here. It's about time, dude. You made it. I'm glad to be here, Joe. Happy to be in the basement. Well, we are happy to have you because uh, we want to learn about being a super saver. I got to start with the beginning of the story, though. So you're working the nine to five job. You're sitting at your desk, having the same job that most people listening to the show are having. And all of a sudden you have this revelation. Tell me about that. So I followed a pretty typical life path, right? Yeah. yeah. High school, uh, went to a university in Illinois, got a degree in information systems. And then I started my first job in IT in Madison, Wisconsin, where I live, doing computer security. You know, it was, it was all really good, right? Yeah, like I so, had, yeah, so far so good. I mean, this is the American dream right here. Right, right. It really is. So I loved it, right? I, was, had, I had this job that I liked doing cybersecurity, which was like this cat and mouse game that was really, really fun. So I had this career and I was making a little bit of money and I bought a $200,000 condo. I'd always wanted a BMW because my friends had BMWs. So I bought one of those that came with a $525 monthly payment. And then I drive that BMW to Whole Foods to spend $200 on fancy gourmet food and all this kind of stuff. And then you, my friend, are on what's called the rat race. Yes. But that was funny because it was like, okay, people were probably looking at my life and I was looking at my life and saying, okay, wow, this is the American dream. Like I finally made it. This is what everyone wants. But then there was this part of the dream that I wasn't ready for. And that was the sort of epiphany of being like in the rat race and actually really bored out of my mind because after working at this job for five, six, seven years, like I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. You're doing the same stuff still you were doing five or six years ago. And I'm sure looking at people older than you, right? And thinking, do I want to be that person? Exactly. So I could look across the aisle and see people 30, 40 years older than me still doing the nine to five grind. And I was like, I just can't do that to myself. I can't do that to my future self. And so that's when I had that sort of epiphany, like sitting in my tiny gray cubicle one day and saying, okay, this is it. Like, I just have to do this for the next 40 years. And I realized I just couldn't do that. Like I had to get out of the rat race. So you are now known as a super saver, but you had to go from this place where you've got this over $500 BMW payment, the expensive condo. How did you start to shift then to, to make things right? When, once I had this sort of epiphany, like I can't do this forever, then that's when I took a step back and I said, okay, like I can either spend all my time working for all this stuff and that's the rest of my life, or I can make this sort of shift and start saving and investing so that one day I can get all my time back, right? And so I went through this sort of process of figuring out like, okay, I have this sort of expensive lifestyle. And I think I actually, to take a step back, I think I had to have that expensive lifestyle. And that might've been the mistake I made to sort of experience having an expensive lifestyle to know that it wasn't right for me. And so that's when I decided to like take a look at my savings and figure out where I could, or my spending and my savings and figure out where, what I could do to get on the right path. So you're, you're saying if you would have never screwed up as bad as you did then, you wouldn't be in the great spot you are now? Yeah. And yeah, so like some people might see that as a mistake, like, like having this crazy, not, it wasn't even crazy. It's just like living this American dream. But I think that I had to, to live that, like just growing up, I didn't grow up like wealthy or anything like that. Uh, you know, my dad worked a middle class job. My mom stayed home and 
raised me and my two older sisters. So like we didn't really have much money growing up. And so I never really got a taste of like living like a very expensive lifestyle. And so I think I had to taste that to sort of figure out that it wasn't for me. And I wanted to come like full circle back to back to like my roots, you know, or it might be for you, but it's for you when you can afford it. Would that be true or not? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I mean, if you're making payments every month and that's not coming from savings, that's coming from a job you got to do tomorrow, the next day, three years. Like when you bought that BMW, if it's a four year loan program, what you're really saying is I'm going to sell my soul to this job for four years so I can stay in it. So, yeah, OK, in one way I can afford it. But if I could pay cash for that BMW because it's a small part of my income and I don't have to worry about, you know, selling my future self, like you said earlier, well, then it's a whole different story about the BMW. Right. So I think for me, it was just realizing that I sort of lost reality with money, right? Because it's just like money comes in, money goes out, and you don't really like even think about it, right? Like it's just not something that people consciously think of. And so I think one of the first steps I took was just figuring out, okay, like where's all my money going and putting sort of a reality around money and sort of coming to a, a respect about money. And it's not just, you know, money comes in, money goes out yada, yada, yada. And then your life is over. Like I wanted to actually get to a place where I was spending my money consciously in areas that made sense for me to spend money. So then I could also on the flip side of that save and invest money so I could get all my time back. Did you use one of these, uh, cool being a tech guy? I think you would. Did you use one of these cool tools like mint or something to help you check your money? Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a number of online tools like Mint that, you know, do all this tracking of your money automatically, but being a tech guy and being somewhat simple and straightforward with the way I approach problems, I just use a very simple Google spreadsheet and I'm actually still using that today like 10-ish years later. Really? And yeah, and the sp- I mean the spreadsheet isn't fancy at all. It's literally just my money coming in, my money going out, that type of in and out ledger. I think that that was something that in retrospect was really smart because like I said, I think it made money more real to me when I'm sitting there every month for not that long, 10 minutes, maybe typing in my numbers into the spreadsheet that's, you know, made me realize that this isn't like monopoly money. Like this is really money and that the money I'm making, you know, I'm spending all my time doing that. So I, I became a lot more a lot more um, conscious about how I was spending money. Yeah, it became tactile for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we have FinTech Friday here a lot of the time on the show. And I love the fact, though, these tools are great. They're fine. But it's not about the tool. It's about you. And I think that's, that's a powerful thing for anybody. And I also like the fact that there's people listening that made mistakes. And it's not about making mistakes. Crap, you made mistakes. It's about what you do after the mistake that matters. Right. I really think that that's true. And just doing like you are what you do repeatedly. Like I mentioned, I'm still doing this to this day, just so I don't lose touch with how I'm spending money. And that was how I was able to, you know, start saving 10% of my money all the way up to 50% of my take home pay over the years. And obviously you went right from 10 to 50, right? And you did it perfectly (laughs) right out of the gate. It was overnight, Joe, overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the early mistakes you made when you started trying to get it together. Okay, so I think when I tried to get things together, I mean, step one was really just figuring out where my money was going. And then the, I would say the first mistake or the first obstacle that I encountered was 
thinking that I'd go after the really big wins, right? And so if you think about big wins when it comes to personal finance and saving and specifically, it's really about, okay, where can I make these big cuts? Usually that's things like, okay, I'm going to sell my car and downsize my house, right? This is the 80-20 rule, yeah. thinking that you'd get the most benefit from making just two changes. Absolutely. Well, yeah, guess what? Like that, those two changes that I was going to make were just like so overwhelming that I just didn't do them. And I still haven't done them to this day. And so that's when I decided to start out with much smaller changes. So like an example of that is every morning on my commute to my job, I would stop at this small local coffee shop and get a red eye, which is coffee with two shots of espresso. Bam. Yes. Yes, I have a little problem. I had a problem with caffeine back in the day. You know, like this didn't cost much. You know, it was like four or five bucks. But I decided that making like this small change and making coffee at home, I bought one of those great little stovetop espresso makers to make coffee at home. It's delicious, highly recommended. Anyways, like this small manageable change, I think improved my ability to change bigger and bigger things. Kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like a marathon if you think about it. Like you don't just go out and run 26 miles, like it's something that you build up to over time. And I think that's the same with saving money. How many, how many changes would you make? I mean, what pace would you change? Would you do that one week and then the next week do something else in the next week? Or was it once a month? Uh, what was the rate of change? It wasn't very prescriptive like that. Like I'm pretty methodical about things, but I'm not that methodical about things. Like I didn't say, okay, this week it's this thing. The next week it's the next thing. I think it was more, I mean, this took years to do, right? To get from that 10% to 50% savings rate, this literally took years to do. And so after I had the, you know, like got rid of the $5 daily coffee, I mean, I still go out for coffee like once a week or whatever, yeah, but it's right. like getting rid of the daily habit and becoming sec- successful with that, then it was moving on to the next thing. And for me, the next thing was going out uh, for lunch every day. So I used to go out for lunch every single day. It would cost, I don't know, 15 bucks a day. You know, and that adds up over time. So once I was able to get rid of the daily lunch habit or reduce that significantly, then I would move on to the next thing and on and on and on. There's one thing to identify that you have an area where you're wasteful, like with the coffee. But then there's the second piece, which is to capture it and get that money saved, right? How did you actually capture the money and save it? Did you change your automatic, uh, uh, you know, your direct deposit? So it went to savings instead of checking. Did you automatically move money? Did you use an app for that part? What did you do? So yes, I was capturing like larger and larger pools of money, you could say. And so I was transferring money at that point from my checking account where my paychecks ended up into a brokerage account to be invested. So every month I would have, I don't know what it was at the time, uh, let's say $500 on the first of the month going to my brokerage account to be invested. And so over time, as I was able to save more money, that would end up in my checking account because I wasn't spending it. And so I was able to increase that amount by you know $100 here and $100 there all the way on up as well. So it wasn't very like uh, concrete, like on this day, it's going to be X amount more. It was very, it's a lot more fluid over time in that I was saving more and then able to send more to my brokerage account in like $100 increments. So some of that money that went into long-term savings, right? So you put some of it into investments. 
Right. So I did two things essentially. Like I, I also believe in very simple investing as well. And so I always was putting money into my 401k account because my company that I was working for would match up to 8% or they would put in 4% if I put in 8%. So I didn't want to leave any free money on the table. So I was always putting in the 8% and that was money that never even showed up to be spent, which I think is another good tactic if viewers are looking for tactics. The other portion of that was the money that would go into my brokerage account to be invested as well. So I didn't have like 80 different accounts spread all over the universe that I was investing into. It was literally two accounts, my 401k account and my taxable brokerage account that I was going to use for um, money before retirement age. Keep it very simple. Yeah, simple is good. Now, so you get to a point, how did you know that you were at the point where you could finally say, bye-bye job? <laughs> well, because I was also tracking that, right? Because I like tracking stuff. So I had another spreadsheet where I was tracking how my investments were growing over time. And there is a very famous rule called the 4% rule, which means that once you can withdraw 4% of your investments, to live off of, then you can call yourself financially independent. So once I got to that amount, which for me, like I was spending around $40,000 a year at that point. So once I got to a seven figure amount, then that's when I could officially call myself financially independent. And that's how I knew that I was there and I could walk away from my job. But did you walk away from your job when you got to the 4%? No way. It was, I was way too, I was way, it was, it was really overwhelming and stressful because this is actually an interesting story probably because I got to this magical number, right? Where, okay, I've been working towards this for so many years, being so disciplined and methodical. And now I'm there like, oh, I can just like drop the mic and walk out. Right. Well, I found that it wasn't that easy because for me, I saw it as sort of an asset that I was throwing away, right? Because I'd spent at that point 15 years building this career right, right? In, right. in IT that was an asset that was essentially saying, okay, I'm going to walk away from this asset that I spent 15 years building and just go off and do something else. And so I actually struggled with that and probably overthought it to an absurd degree because I overthink things to absurd degrees all the time. And so actually it took me like another year and a half probably to mentally work through that and then quit my job and retire early. Well, the cool thing is, is that you teach other people now how to overthink everything, which is awesome, (laughs) how to turn them into neurotic people like you do. If people go to chrisriding.com, you've got, uh, you can teach people how to master their money. Tell me about that. Right. So I have this website where I started writing about financial independence on my own journey to it years ago. I think it's five, six years now that I've been writing my site. We've and actually so we've I, actually talked about you. Well, I think you know this. We've talked about you before on our roundtable. We've talked about your articles before on our show. Right. When uh, I think when I interviewed Morgan Huzzle for yes. my site. Yeah. 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 We talked all about that. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. So I, yeah, I write articles about saving and, and spending and earning more and financial independence. And people seem to like what I put out because I get feedback that it is pretty simple and straightforward and, and practical. And I think people appreciate that when usually finance and investing is a really complicated and, and complex subject. 
Yeah, save more, earn more, invest to build wealth, become financially independent. Boom, 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 boom. Four, Done. Four, four step process. By the way, we'll have links to Chris's site on the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. It's real easy. It's chrisreining.com. And uh, Chris, man, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Hey there again, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I can't get over the fact that Chris retired at age 37. Well, I've decided that retiring at that age is perfect for me, so I'm going to go join him. The problem is, for the past few years, I've been 39. That means it's time to take a lesson from my favorite documentary, Hot Tub Time Machine, and build myself a way-back machine, taking me back at just two years to 37. That's all I'm asking for, two years. Speaking of historical movies, how about this piece of Time Machine trivia? When did the movie Back to the Future originally release? I'll be back with your answer and my hot tub time machine recipe right after this. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler. Or is that what just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a, a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Uh, Chase just recently had 100000 on, on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are, are extremely profitable for large banks. Um, and they are really wanting to get more customers. And so they're they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say if you're you if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use magnifymoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Well, over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress what if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. There's really no way to sell real estate today, rental homes with tenants in place. What we did with Roofstock was create the first way to do it. How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock's certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. 
think my research has finally come to its natural conclusion. I ordered a flux capacitor from the local thrift store. Now, they called it a hot air popcorn popper, but you and I both know you switch two wires on those bad boys and their flux capacitors in a heartbeat. Anyway, I rigged it up to Joe's mom's bathtub, and now it's my version of a hot tub time machine. It appears if I fire up that popcorn popper, uh, 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 flux capacitor, stick a couple of wires in the water, and bada bing bada boom, I'm going to be propelled back to age 37, or maybe even earlier. Heck, if I go to age 34, maybe I can get my old Tasty Freeze grill cook job back. That was the life, man. More on that later. But for now, let's grab you your trivia answer, shall we? Here was the question. When did the movie Back to the Future originally release? The answer, the first film set in what would later be a trilogy, Back to the Future was released in 1985. That was a good year. Maybe I'll hit up that year, too, and get back to all my leather Def Leppard pants. Gertrude's going to love those. Well, time to fire up this hot tub and revisit 37 years old. See ya! Bam, you got that right. Nice 1985, baby. Nice job. I think everybody kind of remembers, can vividly imagine, you know, October 1985. He's dialing the thing in the DeLorean there. We're going to link, by the way, to Chris Reining's uh, spreadsheet that he talks about on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So go grab that. So inspirational to see somebody that looks across the aisle at another cubicle, see somebody 30 years older than him and goes, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, nope. It, it, it just proves that old mantra that what you were yesterday is not what you have to be tomorrow. You can, oh, you can yeah, be something absolutely. different. And even though he, you know, got into that uh, big old BMW payment and uh, had uh, some struggles with that, he was able to cut other areas of his life. Pretty, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's throw out the Avon Lifeline, tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Avon Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most, the two things, OG, that you value most. I'm really infatuated with the tops of cupcakes lately and a nice cup of coffee that goes with that. I thought you were going to say cat mold cupcakes. Well, I do like those too. Yeah, delicious. But it's actually for this segment, it's your money and your time. It's not your money and your time. It's your family and your time. That's, I can't even get that right. It's why they created a high-quality and, most importantly, affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online. No need to wait several weeks for a decision. When you can get one instantly at Haven Life, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Say hello to our new friend, Thomas. Thomas, we're throwing out the lifeline to you. Hi, Joe and OG. Thomas here. I'm a 27-year-old public educator in Missouri who will finish paying off his student loans and vehicle this coming May. Bam! Following that, I plan to fully fund my 457, my Roth IRA, and also contribute what I can to a solo 401k as I work as an independent contractor teaching ESL online. My wife also has a Roth IRA, and we both contribute a mandatory 14.5% of salary to the state's teacher pension plan that they also contribute equally to. I currently have my Roth IRA with 100% small cap value and my 457, 100% in the U.S. total market index. However, considering the historical value premium mentioned by Paul Merriman and Drs. Fama and French, 
would it be inadvisable to allocate a portion of my 457 to small cap value or even emerging markets as well? I do plan to add fixed income down the line. I just want to take the most advantage of compound interest early on while I'm still young. Looking forward to learning nothing. Thomas. Nice job, Thomas. Thomas asks Fama. It sounds like he's done a little homework. He's wondering if we want to dispute Fama in French. I think we should. We can go toe-to-toe with those dudes. No, except I drink that Kool-Aid. Like, I just pour it all over myself. Do you? That's Oh, yeah. The famine French Kool-Aid. Like, yes. It's, it's like that blue Kool-Aid with all the sugar in it. You get and some. And I just, I, just, uh, I just pour it all over myself. I don't even like that motion. Just don't <laughs> even make that motion when you tell the story. Why? Like two in the morning, Mrs. OG comes out and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, it's the famine French Kool-Aid. Uh, you weren't supposed to see this. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, hon. Do you still love me? Anyways. I have um, a problem, right? So what he's talking about, famine French professors, uh, one of which was awarded the Nobel Prize in economics uh, some seven, eight years ago or so. Basically, there are three factor models suggest that there are three components to performance in the markets. One is having more stocks and bonds. One is having value companies or what they define as low price to book companies. So when I think about those companies like the more well-established ones like a General Electric or something like that. And then smaller companies tend to have a better return overall. The problem with this is that those returns are not predicted in the future, nor are they a pattern. And so you want to have small companies. You also want to have big companies. You want to have value companies. You also want to have growth companies. Thomas mentions emerging market and -and up-and-coming countries and international countries. And all of those are areas that you should be diversified in. Absolutely, because they don't all work lock, step, and barrel with one another. And you can design an investment portfolio that has a rate of return that you need to reach your goals. But by layering all of those other different asset classes and some of those other theories around value versus growth and that sort of thing, have a different risk profile. That's why we do those things. If you were looking for purely what's the greatest return potential, all small cap value. But there's two sides to that stick, right? You get the 13% or 12.5% annualized return, but you got to be okay with a minus 75 every so often. Right, right. No one's okay with that. And that's I don't the care key. how firm your belief is in it. Richard uh, Thaler or... Uh, is that Dr. You T, like we like <laughs> yes, uh, T, well, yeah. won the Nobel Prize for behavioral economics, and that's the problem here. Isn't the long term return? It's what's your behavior going to be when that roller coaster takes off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're looking for purely all return, you would just put all of your money in small companies. End of discussion. But I can assure you that if you have ten thousand dollars and it goes down to twenty five hundred that feels a lot different than if you have a million and it goes down to two hundred fifty thousand and you can say today when the market's done nothing but go straight up for seven years i can take it i understand there's volatility it's a whole different feeling when the market really actually goes through it here's what i like though about adding emerging markets is that switching from one philosophy to another you know you look at uh, dr harry markowitz and the efficient frontier you know, what a lot of that research showed, OG, is that you can add you can add investment classes that individually take more risk and it will still smooth out the ride of your portfolio because you're taking different risks. That's exactly right. And so you can layer those two 
prize winning finance theories on top of one another. And yeah. so you you have complete diversification by having a little bit of everything and you can tilt it a little bit toward value in smaller companies. And that will give you, to your point, a smoother ride or it should give you a smoother ride anyway. And hopefully over a long period of time, a better return pound for pound for that risk that you're taking. Thanks a lot for the question, Thomas. If you've got a question for the Haven Lifeline, uh, send those to us by heading to stackybenjamins.com. Right at the top of the page, it says questions for the show. Click that link. You'll see the Haven Lifeline and Haven Life and uh, and we, uh, we and Haven Life. But we, yeah, we and Haven yes. Life send mm-hmm. you out a greatest money show on earth t-shirt which is my favorite of all the Stacking Benjamin shirts that you'll find there. So one of those is heading out to him. Hey, Doug also brings down the mail, and we've got a note here from our new friend, Maya OG. Maya says, in preparation for open enrollment, I was hoping you could help me determine whether to enroll in my husband's employer flex spending account for daycare expenses or not. I was told by my tax professional last year I'd lose the child tax credit if I did that, but I'm reading mixed reviews on the internet. I'm currently married with one child and a second on the way to Thanksgiving. We'll be looking at high daycare expenses next year, over $1,300 a month for two kids for three days of care per week. We file our taxes jointly. We were in the 10% tax bracket last year. We apply for the max allowable health spending option each year, $2,500, and could easily spend the max allowable for child care expenses as well, $5,000. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for keeping things fun and for helping me get more into finances. Maya. Thanks, Maya. You know what? As a guy who has twins, I've done this homework, OG, and I can take a swing at this one. Yeah, I've had it. While your tax preparer is correct, you know what you have to look at? Which one gives you more money? And generally, taking that money pre-tax will give you, especially at the level you're using it, I think that probably gives you more money. You're going to end up hitting that maximum. So I would just do some quick math. Your your accountant's right. You lose it. But um, when when we went through that with the twins, it was, baby, who cares about that credit when you're getting the pre-tax nature of this? Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is that you don't pay when you put the money in the flexible spending account, and use it for dependent care. You're not paying any taxes on that money, right? No FICA right. taxes or anything. And so not only is it you're getting your marginal benefit, but you're also getting a state benefit. If you live in a state that has state income tax, you're getting a, a benefit of not having it be FICA taxable as well. So, um, and that's so yeah, a, it's, just, it's just a comparison. You should be able to sit with your accountant right now. It's October. Sit with him or her and say, run it out. Show me a, show me a tax return. Hypothetically, of course, one hand we do this, one hand we do that. Super Tell quick. Me which one to do. Super quick. And I agree there are these, you know, I think of them as, I guess, ancillary things that we don't think about that are like the FICA tax and other taxes that you avoid by doing it pre-tax that you need to make sure you include in that equation. But just uh, very quickly do the math. I think it's going to come out taking the pre-tax is going to be a better deal. But uh, Maya, uh, let us know what happened in your particular case. Thanks for the question. And if you've got a question for us Send those to me, Joe at stackybenjamins.com, or once again, just the top of the website, click that button. All right. That's going to do it for today, dude. We we got it done. Thanks to Chris Reining for joining us. And uh, coming up on Friday, we are changing it up on Friday, OG. We have uh, our very first episode of a new Friday format. It's going to be a lot more like the Monday-Wednesday format, but with the roundtable in tow. We've got a couple of great guests with us. Sandy Waters 
is a morning show broadcaster in Rochester, New York. She's part of the longest running morning show there. And she also has a great podcast called the Seven Figures Podcast. And she's going to join us, as is our friend Deacon Hayes from the Well-Kept Wallet, along with Willem Penzo. And uh, that promises to be quite a quite a fun mix of people. We also have maybe the coolest debit card you've ever seen on our uh, Friday guest segment. So we're talking to people that run Hoot on on Friday. You, you got to see this, OG. There's some cool fintech as well. Great show coming up on Friday. Go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye. See you. All right, Doug, take it from here. What should we have learned today? Sure, Joe. I'm going to let you get back to helping out OG with a loofah in the hot tub. Meanwhile, let's tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, take a lesson from Chris Reining. You don't have to do everything right. You don't even need to start with the big stuff to be successful. Make one small change at a time and keep the snowball moving until you're saving big money. Second, taking out a big loan on your house so your kids can compete for a home of their own in a hot real estate market? Yeah, you probably don't want to do that. But the big lesson? Don't stick wires off the flux capacitor into your hot tub time machine. Turns out that not only will you not visit the age 37 again, you'll most likely score a quick trip to the ER. Lesson learned. Special thanks to Chris Reining for joining us. You'll find more about Chris, his budget spreadsheet, and how to save more money at chrisreining.com forward slash podcast. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. We are having some fun at our house. A little construction? Yeah, not at uh, mom's house here. Thank goodness nothing happening here. But I love this when there's things wrong with your house that you didn't expect. So we, we redid our roof and we also have some shingles on the sides of our house, just the way the house looks. And so 
some of those are under our house is built on a hill so there's stairs that go from the upper level to the lower level uh, like when you walk into our house you walk in on the upper level and then downstairs is the is the living room bed my bedroom and that stuff but anyway those stairs it turns out as the construction people were putting the new shingles on they realized that uh, all the wood underneath that is rotted. And a long time ago, termites were under there. We haven't had any termites since we've lived here. But this thing between termite damage and then water pouring off the roof into... Right, because uh, of the roof damage from before. Into that area. Apparently, my stairs were about to collapse. That would have been an exciting Tuesday afternoon as you're <laughs> hopping down the stairs after... Hey! After having lunch upstairs. Help, I've fallen. You have to press that little button that you wear around your neck. Yeah, nice. Nice. You think I'm Hel- old enough? Hello, to- Mr. Salcihai. You're like, Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You think I'm that old? There's no thinking about any of this, but. I just want to ask your opinion on this because so far, and this is a very short survey, but so far, I've got two men that think one way and two women that think the other. So my thought process is. I absolutely love this because I think, okay, the house is not what we thought it was, right? We got this piece of our house that that is not what we wanted, and now they're fixing it. And so the fact that they're fixing it, it makes me feel very comfortable that my house is solid, like that the foundation is solid, right? I really like that. So even though I understand that it doesn't add anything to, you know, maybe a resale value if we decide to sell at some point in the future or or whatever, even even though it doesn't do that, I dig the fact that that these stairs are now going to be going to be great. Cheryl thinks bunch of money we're pouring into this thing that you know that that great. It's expensive. Nobody can see it. Nah, who cares? Like, Put some lattice work over it. No one will notice when the stairs collapse. Yeah, except. We, when they notice because the stairs collapsed. So my friend, John, I was over at his house last week working on my car. That's a different funny story. And we'll save that for another day. But my friend, John, he and I are talking about this and he had some work underneath his house to make the floors level. The floors were out of whack and paid a bunch of money to somebody to, you know, make sure his house would be level. And he's like, I thought that was great. I thought it was fantastic that now my house is on this solid footing. And his wife is like, yeah, but you can't see any of that. Like, I want to redecorate the dining room and we can't do the dining room because we're doing the stuff that you can't. Uh, yes. That, that, I'm actually going through something very similar right now. That you can't very see. Very similar. Well, I can see it, but it, it provides no, no real utilization. We have a backyard fence that I want to replace. And it's that or kind of to your point, some interior upgrades. Yeah. And I, and I want the fence fixed because I'm tired of fixing it when it, the wind blows and it looks like crap from the outside. And, and you need the fence. And and we have to have the fence. And, you know, it's like, but then I can't put drapes in the dining room. <laughs> like, but, you know, <laughs> but it's a fence, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Competing priorities. But it's funny that that in my little short survey has come down the same for two. So now we're three, three men on one side. Three women on the other side. Because don't you think the fence is more of that, uh, like, just what we have to do kind of thing? Like, it's not sexy. It's not great looking. It's what we have oh, to no, do. no, my fence is going to look awesome when it's done. Right. And be, and be sexy. Well, it'll keep all that paparazzi out, too. Well, yeah. Well, well so, especially with the barbed wire on top and the machine gun parapets. Okay, so maybe yours is different. 
<laughs> but looking at my thing in John's, where do you come down on that? Like the, like no, my stairs, like my yeah, stairs no, project. You got to take care of business. But do you, you like know. it? Do you like it? Or do you, do you just think like Cheryl does like, oh, you know, just, just throw the money, oh. get, get it done. And who cares? I'm not sure that it's throwing money away. I'm kind of split maybe. Right. I don't think it's throwing money away, but, but it's a necessity. Right. And you'll be happy once it's done. Like it's never fun to like fix your car, but then it's fixed and you go, okay, now I've, you know. See, but that's, I actually like fixing the car. Like I like the act of actually doing it. Like I'm like, oh, cool. My car is better off because we're, huh. we're. Your car repair bills must be different than mine. I don't, I don't know. Psychologically, we own cars that are worth a little different amount of money. Dude, my car's worth like 4,500 bucks. What are you talking about? My car's about? worth about four bucks. Well, there. So. Yeah. I guess that is different. Yeah. All right. Another day, another day I'll tell you the car story. But uh the uh car uh, house house maintenance yeah. projects. Yeah. It's never it never stops, does it? It doesn't. No. That's the that's the that's the unknown cost in housing. People when they figure you know, they figure oh, I can afford this and you go, Well, don't forget, every year you gotta do something. My father in law said that to me a long time when we were when we were buying this house a long time ago. Yeah, eight years ago. We were buying this house. He said, looks really nice. It's going to be a money pit. And I'm like, what? He goes, it's an older house. It's a house built in the 70s. It's his custom house. It's going to be a huge money pit. I'm like, yeah, but man, it's such a cool house. Nah, it won't be. It'll be cool. Oh my goodness, is it a money pit? Now I'm like, I don't need to love a house as much as I love this house. I want a house where there's no maintenance. If I could have a house where there's, you know, maybe. Yeah, they call those apartments. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> condos they, they have a name for that that's where yeah. all right let's get out of here well stackers this episode is over but you know what your homework has just begun and it's not about what you know it's about what you do and partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success well let me tell you becoming a member at navy federal credit union could help you earn more and save more their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates now, not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt, begin stackers with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take and then decide on the products. And with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.